I'm Gary Sice, and you're listening to the Pelador Podcast. Welcome back to the Pelador Podcast. Ross Trainer, how are you? Are you with me, Hawk? Come on, come on. Not too, not too bad now. Uh, Delighted today to be joined by one of the best midfielders of his generation, Louds Paddy Keenan. Paddy, how are you doing? Not too bad, lads. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on. Uh, I'm not going to lie, Paddy, I'm a little jealous you're in Australia, living the life. <laughs> I wouldn't say living the life, but yeah, it's probably a little <laughs> bit better than, um, than Ireland at the minute, yeah. So, a bit of sun, a bit of sea, and a bit of sand. So, uh, yeah, so apologies for making making everyone jealous or whatever, but uh, yeah, we're not going to complain too much here. And a bit of beer, you forgot that part. Yeah, yeah, just one or two, yeah. <laughs> uh, what's life like there at the moment? Obviously, you're saying it's a little bit better than Ireland. It's it's almost like real life. Well, we're in New South Wales at the minute, um, and honestly, you wouldn't notice there's any coronavirus at all. There's, I don't know when the last time we seen someone with a mask. Um, you know, cafes, bars, restaurants, everything is pretty much going as normal with the usual social distancing and all the rest. But um, yeah, for for what we want and what we enjoy, it is pretty much everything. Everything is open and everything is going on as normal. Um, we did get stuck in Victoria for about six months um, because of the coronavirus and literally nothing was open and couldn't go anywhere and all the rest. So that was a bit of a nightmare, but uh, I think we're trying to make up for it a little bit a little bit more now. So things are things are turning around a little bit. Yeah, so you were just saying off there, you're going to be doing a bit of travelling around Australia, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose with the way the borders are at the minute, it's a little bit difficult and it's hard to plan things out and that sort of thing. Um, we did get into New South Wales, which obviously was was nice when we were stuck down more or less in lockdown for for a few months there in um, in Victoria. But um, yeah, we're, we've done a good bit in New South Wales so far, and a few more weeks to go, and then we'll see. Well, depending on what way the borders go, we'll uh, we'll try and keep moving. But um, I suppose a lot of things are out of our hands at the minute, so we'll just we'll just wait and see and hope for the best. You're you're hardly playing any football or anything over there. You're completely taking a break from us. No, I was sick because we, uh, myself and one of the other lads from um, from home as well, we were, we were uh, training away with the local Aussie Rules team and just a couple of weeks before the season started, everything was cancelled and um, so didn't get to play any, any football at all, so a bit of a nightmare, <laughs> but look, with the way the body is at the minute, maybe it's better off the season was cancelled, to be honest. <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's your Aussie Rules skills like? Not great, I'd say. No. <laughs> yeah, not great. But uh, I'll try, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been keeping track of the the, the, the setup in Ireland at the moment, the GEA and the leagues, the start of the championship at all? Yeah, I, I suppose with the weekend just gone, I haven't really been keeping an eye on the scores and stuff like that. And obviously, unfortunately, loud, loud have lost. But um, haven't really been watching any of the games. Um, in Loud Championship, we watched a few of the games, and I was obviously keeping an eye on the Pats in the in the Championship at home, and, and watched a couple of their games as well. But um, yeah, I for me anyway, I think the the club stuff was the most important thing this year with everything that was going on. To be perfectly honest, the county stuff doesn't really, um, not that it doesn't appeal to me or anything like that, but I'm not going to be, you know, getting up in the middle of the night to watch a game. Whereas if it was the club stuff, I I would make that effort. So, yeah, I don't know if that's just the case of, you know, maybe realizing that maybe the club is more important or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah, just just keep an eye on the scores and the county stuff, and 
you know, unfortunately, Pats didn't win a championship and allowed her out of the championship, so it wasn't too successful on either on either front. A shit year all round. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less, for a number of reasons. Yeah, um, but are you surprised, just on that, are you surprised that the county championship went ahead at all? I know a lot of people are saying it would be good to extend the club's uh, championship out and have the provincial and all-Ireland system going ahead with club. Yeah, I like maybe this is just me looking in from the outside and obviously on the on another side of the world, so it's hard to hard to really uh, make a call on it or know exactly what's going on. But I was I, I particularly at the minute though with the way things are at home, I'm very surprised the county stuff went ahead. And you know, I think of all years there was definitely a year to reassess how, as as a GAA as a as a whole, reassess how the I suppose the structures are set up, the calendar year and all of that sort of sort of thing. And, you know, I really thought it was a, it was an opportunity to put the club back, kind of first and foremost in the, you know, in in, in the whole GEA calendar and the whole year, and you know, make a big thing out of it. And I would have loved to see. I think the club championships are fantastic, and I thought it would have been brilliant to keep that going. Um, obviously, it's only for a number of clubs, but I thought, you know, this could have been a year where the county stuff took take a takes a back seat, and the county or the club stuff becomes more more important. Yeah. Like if you had a, bl- a blank canvas, Paddy, and you could set up the inter-county championship and the club championship, what way would you have it? I, I think, I, I know even talking a lot of the guys at home that were playing, you know, loud, loud league games and championship and that, nearly everybody loved the way it was set up. Um, I think that should, and I know that seems to be the case in a lot of other counties. Um, I think it's, it just shows that if you did have a defined split, if you set off your club championship at whatever time of year, you know, maybe February, March, April, something like that, completely run it off by, you know, the middle of the summer and then start your your, uh, your county championships and county leagues or whatever. Um, I think that would be would be far better. I think just mixing up, you know, for club players, it's it's extremely frustrating and I probably wouldn't have appreciated that back in the day playing with Loud, but, um, you know, you're peaking for maybe playing a, a few league games and a championship game maybe in May and then nothing until August or September and that's no way for a club player to be treated and, you know, training for 11, 12 months of the year and playing a handful of games, you know, working it around the county team, I think is madness. So I think this year has really shown that a very defined split of the season would, I think, would benefit everybody. Like club players just want, any players just want to be playing week on week on week. And if that could be, you know, achieved, I think that'd be a benefit for for everybody, county and club. Um, rather than trying to mix the two of them into the one season, I think it's just madness, to be honest. Would you have heard a lot of those issues when you were obviously out with County and then coming back? Would lads be giving out to you about how the system was and how it wasn't really fair on them? Or yeah, absolutely, and you can't you can't blame lads for that. And then you know, e- even for the County players, and maybe this is this is the view I would have would have seen obviously firsthand was you were coming back. You know, you might have played. You know, championship with with Loud in the, in the Leinster or whatever on a, on a Sunday, and then you're playing a club match, club league match on a Tuesday or Wednesday after that. And you know, if you're put out of a lesser championship and you had a few beers on a Sunday night or whatever the case was, and then you're into a club match on Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe even championship the following week, you know, you're not even getting a chance to train with your club. You're not even get a chance to prepare properly. The players don't, the club players don't see you from one end of the nearly. Uh, county season to the other um, and it's very unfair and everybody county players the, the club players and the managements of, of both sides because you know players are just risking themselves an injury and burnout and everything else on top of you know 
the, the mental side of things dealing with coming out of maybe a championship game and going straight into a club championship a few days later like it's it's no way for any sports person to be to be to be trying to prepare you know um i just think it's very very unfair for for everyone involved the club players and the county players that are trying to you know represent their club as well and the club obviously we, we were at the pats and we had quite a number of players we would have had you know seven and eight you know county players coming from the pats at, at, at its peak and you know, taking that out of training with your club, um, you know, the standard of the training obviously drops, the preparation obviously drops, and then you have lads that are banged up coming back from maybe loud campaigns, trying to come back and play club football, and they're, they're half crippled and no preparation, no training, you know, bodily, body, physically sore, maybe mentally not right, and it's not fair on, completely not fair on the clubs at the end of the day. No, and it's certainly an issue that needs to be uh, discussed, and hopefully there might be some changes going into next year. And the last one of that, Paddy, I mean, obviously this the Inter-County Championship is going to be a straight knockout this year. Um, just the potential for a few shocks, what do you think of that? Do you think it, it's, it could be something to look at going forward or you could never see that happen because be, the GA would be losing out in revenue, essentially? Yeah, no, I, I, I think, that I've said this for years, I think that to everybody that we were talking about this kind of topic was, I think most championships should nearly go back to the straight knockout um, because at the end of the day, who who is the back doors, you know, the backdoor systems, the round robin systems, the league systems, who is it really benefiting? It's it's benefiting the better teams that, you know, they can afford to have an off day or a bad performance on, on you know, against maybe some of the smaller counties or, you know, if if someone does spring a shock, they still have a second chance of getting back into, you know, an all Ireland championship or whatever the case is. So, you know, I think it, I, I don't think it's, I think it was brought in to help smaller, you know, clubs or counties or whatever to try and get more games. But the reality is, you're just giving more chances for the better, the better counties and the stronger counties. And um, like, wouldn't it be brilliant if you've seen, you know, Kerry, Dublin, you know, some of the bigger teams knocked out in 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 Munster or Leinster, and you know, blows the whole thing wide open. It would make for a great championship. I I think it's it's brilliant. Whereas, you know. Dublin don't need two chances to win in all Ireland at the end of the day. You know, one should be for the strength of them and everything else. I think, you know, the likes of Kerry, Dublin, things like that, they, they, they don't need a, a second chance. And very often they don't. They don't. It doesn't go down that route, but given, given stronger teams a second chance, it really makes it more difficult for the smaller counties to, to spring a shock on the, on the one day. That, that, just on the happened to yourselves, wasn't it? You beat Kildare in 2010. I mean, Kildare got onto an All Ireland semi final. I think Dublin knocked you out, and they were beaten by Mead in the Leinster semi final. Am I right in saying so? It kind of yeah. goes to show how, even though Hughes did so well to get get where he's got to, the other team still got further in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even you, you go, you look at the systems that no most club championships these days are you know group stages or round robins or back doors or whatever. And I think in Loud that was brought in in two thousand and one, two thousand and two, and you know the amount of shocks you know at senior championship level and, and it just even taken loud you know probably one or two shocks in the last 20 years since that round robin has been brought in so you know don't get me wrong we benefited from it at times as well as as, as a club we won championships when you know maybe we got a second chance and maybe we didn't deserve it and other teams were the same but you know the, probably the joes in 2006 in loud were they were the obvious ones that um you know really benefited or not benefited but were the were a surprise or shock shocking winners and um, most other times you're giving the better teams or stronger clubs a second chance and I think it takes the you know the unpredictability out of out of a championship when you have when you have a back door or second chance. Yeah definitely. Uh, I'm gonna bring you back Paddy so in the early years uh, underage 
Was GA the number one sport for you, or are you playing anything else growing up? And no, I suppose soccer would have been the main, the main one. Would have played with Dundalk and stuff like that, under age and. My own head, I probably expected that he'd be playing in, in England and all the rest, like a lot of young fellas and a lot of lads on, on those teams at the time. And um, jacked up my knees when I was about 15 and was more or less out of football for the guts of two years. You know, and obviously that, that period of time is, you know, a very important time in any young fellas, you know, career or whatever from development and strength and all that sort of stuff. And probably the soccer, just when I came back, just not the, just missed a lot of development at that at that period. So I think it was after that then really the, the Gaelic was first and foremost. And since that it's been Gaelic and only Gaelic, I suppose. But um yeah, soccer probably would have been the main one. Uh, playing with Lorgan and would have been a very strong club at in, in around the dock and then playing with the dock youths as well. But um yeah, look, a different career path in the end than what I would have thought of at fourteen or fifteen years of age. What, what happened to the knees, I should say, at 15 years of age? Um, I was basically playing complete and utter burnout, growing too fast. And I think it was Oshgood Slatters, I think was the, the disease or whatever it's called. It's basically your, your body grows too fast for, I think your bones will grow too fast for your ligaments or your cartilage or whatever it is. And it combined with, you know, training or playing eight or nine times a week for different clubs and different codes and different age groups. Um, doing both of those things together the, the unfortunately the knees just couldn't <laughs> couldn't hold up to the to the to the load I was being subjected to so um yeah so it was more or less I think it was like 20 or 22 months without any football at, at that age so obviously missed out on a lot of development at that at that time wow and prior to that had you any uh Trials over over the water. Uh, a try with one-off try with Celtic. Played in a kind of a tournament with them up in up in Derry. Um, it was myself and Fear from a Cardle, another guy from the dock. Um, two of us played played on that um that trial tournament, and then I was over in Derby as well for two weeks a week maybe, and a couple of trials with those, and then went over for went over for I think it was a week or ten days something like that. Um, and that was that was kind of it. That was before kind of the injuries or whatever, and then came back and kind of football and that. But I was just, you know, I, I wouldn't have been standing out as much as I probably would have been maybe when I was fourteen or fifteen when I, you know, when I came back from the injuries. So I think the idea of heading abroad at that stage was probably cut short. Then to be honest. And come here to me when you were over. I'm always intrigued at these stories when you're over in the UK at that young of an age for, like you said, a week or ten days. Are you? Put into digs, or are your parents over with you, or how how is that work? Because you're so you're so young at that stage. Yeah, I think I can't remember. I think it was about fifteen around that time, and um, I went over and I stayed with a family. Um, I think there was another guy. There was a guy from I think he could have been from the north, and um, was there at the time, and he was staying in, in digs with a local family. I think at the time, Derby had different families that would take in footballers and that sort of thing throughout the season, and would stay with them and that sort of thing. Um, so it was me and another guy um, just stayed with his family for, for a week did, did all the cooking and cleaning and looked after you and all the rest and they were brilliant in fairness um, and then was going basically to, out to train every day and stuff like that but um, you know you were going training maybe with the under 16s in the, in the mornings and then at night and in the evenings then you were you know maybe training with the under 19s and things like that and you know it was very um very intense at the time and probably a bit overwhelming when you're coming over at that age and you know 19 year old guys playing you know they're ultimately ready to play senior football or first team football and you're you know skinny 15 year old not knowing 
anything really and uh, trying to compete with these guys. But so it was a great experience and eye-opening experience, but very, very overwhelming. And I can see how, you know, no matter how talented you are, it's only a small fraction of it. You know, your your ability to, you know, if if the like of myself, they get signed over there, heading over to England at 15, 16, 17 years of age without any family or friends or support or anything, you know, it's not talent that gets you through. It's going to be your, your work rate and your ability to adapt to, you know, the new situation and the people around you and all that. So I can see how a lot of players, you know, no matter how talented they are, get over there and just can't, don't make it or can't make it or can't deal with the, you know, the homesickness and all that sort of stuff. It, it is very difficult in fairness. Yeah, it's, Jesus, understandable. At such a young age to be, like, if, if I think back to when I was that age, I sure going to the, another county would be a big thing. Never mind living abroad. That's, mm. that's huge. And having that responsibility upon yourself with no mm. nurturing. And I, I know of other people that went over at a young age and they said their, sorry, their parents then said the schooling just wasn't good enough that the package that they would or were being offered, yeah. like consider, considering over here, you would got your, your junior cert and onto your leaving cert. There just wasn't the education structures mm. as well. Yeah, I think that was an issue at the time. I know the guy from the north. I basically he was about sixteen. I don't think he ever went to school. Basically, when he went over there, there was talk of you know homeschooling, and they would do schooling in the club and all that sort of stuff. But from what I had seen, when you actually seen the practical side of it and talking to the guys, I don't think schooling was you know too far off the agenda. And you know everybody has a dream of when they get over there to think they've made it. But you know, fifteen, sixteen years of age, if you're getting you know, you get an injury or you don't make it at 17 or 18 and you have no education behind you, you know, you're not going to make it too far in life. So, um, you know, it, it, it's just, I, to be honest, I think it's too young to be heading heading abroad and leaving your family and education and all of that, um, you know, for a, a minuscule chance of actually actually making it. But I didn't see that at the time, to be honest. <laughs> I, you know, every young flat at 14, 15, 16, you know, playing soccer at a decent level or whatever, you're obviously thinking you're going to be you know, playing playing Premier League and playing with Ireland and all of this sort of stuff, but the reality is very different. But you're like you're you're very short sighted in your in your terms and goal. Every short term when you're that age, no, you're not thinking about when I'm 35 and I've and I've retired. It's next week, next week, next yeah. week. There's no long term goals when you're 15 or 16 years of age. No, no, absolutely not. And you no, know, there's good few guys from the Lake of the Dock, and I would have played with on the age that. You know, did go over and spent a few years abroad and um, particularly in England and things like that. And, you know, have made decent careers out of it, but they're, you know, few. It's not the, it's not just the scale. Everybody has the scale. Everybody who's over there is, is, is talented, but it's, it's a lot more, a lot more around the mind and the work rate and the mindset and being able to adapt and be responsible and grow up and all of that sort of thing. That, that's nearly far more important than the actual, than the actual football inside of it. Did you find that those experiences, Paddy Murray, helped you when you were coming back from those those injuries that you, you've been over there and you've had that experience of living away from home and trying to have that mental strength? Um, probably, I probably just would have opened my eyes a little bit more and maybe, I suppose, especially with the injuries coming in as well or whatever, you, you realised how difficult, you know, what I had in my head that I kind of thought I'd be fit to do or was able to do. In, in my way of you know going professional or whatever and you realized how big of a task it is and how many exceptional players are over there just with one club and that was you know Derby at the time I don't think would have exactly have had the 
greatest underage structures in the world. I could only imagine what it was like going to Liverpool or Man United or some of the real, real top academies and top clubs and that. So just open your eyes to the actual the level of and the quality of players that's over there. So to, to actually make it, um, you know, you just need to be so, so lucky. You need to be injury free. And then you obviously need to have mentally be extremely strong and you know, I think that probably opened my eyes a little bit more to that side of it, and maybe that helped. Then, when kind of turn, when I came back, then kind of focus more on the Gaelic side of things. That you know, you realise how kind of difficult life is, and how short your career, etc., can can be. So, um, I think it took something out of it, but I think I was probably more overawed and um, overwhelmed about it than, than to, to be honest, than anything else. And just even just opening the eyes was 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 an interesting experience. Oh, yeah, it was an, it's an experience. So. Obviously, you touched on the Gaelic football there. So after your injuries, about 17, was it? Did you get straight into the inter-county underage panels or did it take a while to kind of bed back into? To um, no, I kind of always, would have always played underage with Loud and that sort of thing at different at different stages. Um, and it was probably only when I did get the knees kind of, kind of or knees kind of sorted themselves out that um, I was probably, yeah, probably maybe under 17 at that stage or whatever. And um, I was lucky enough then was involved with the, the dog school. Um, we won the Leinster with the Dock Schools. That was the Leinster A, the colleges. Um, it was only the second time a team from the Dock had, had won it. That was 2002. Um, and we had a phenomenal team, like you'd Shane Lennon playing. He was only 15 or something at the time. You'd Neil Gallagher, who played with, play with Loud. Ronan Carroll played with Loud. Myself. Um, we just host a guy, John Doyle, played under 17 international rules with, with Ireland that year. We just a phenomenal team. And we all came together from different schools, different clubs, um, and then played with the Dog Schools, won the Leinster, and then that was before play, playing Loud Minors. So that was probably the big kick where, you know, first time I was, was ever involved in any major success with with GEA, if you like, um, outside of my own club. So it just kind of exposed us to a better level of football and obviously just having a success with a great time as well. Um, you know, even like John O'Brien was on that team as well. Like we had a serious team. Like a lot of those boys from that, Dundalk schools team went on to play with Loud for years and years. Some of the best players of that generation with Loud played on that, that schools team. So it was the first time really being exposed to such a high level of football and getting success at it. And, you know, Jesus, I loved that year. It was absolutely brilliant year. We won the minor championship with the club then as well. And then playing Loud, uh, playing minor championship with Loud also. That didn't go too well, but it was just a brilliant year in development and getting really exposed to decent, decent football. So that kind of really put the soccer in the back of the mind at that stage. Then I think with the dog schools t- uh, campaign that really, you know, had me focusing on the Gaelic after that. And that team seemed to stick together then for another couple of years. Like you were on the, the Loud 21s not long after and you lost narrowly to a, probably a star-studded Dublin team in Leinster that went on that had like of an Alan Brogan and a, and oh. a Paul Griffin and a, a host yeah. of them. And you, geez, you, were, you ran them fierce close that day. Yeah, that still sticks in my mind because I I can vaguely remember the details or whatever, but I, I'm not sure if that game went. We we beat Kildare, I think maybe after extra time that year, and that was a complete shock. Um, then played Dublin and RD. Or not in RD. Yeah, it was in RD, I think, that game in Dublin, yeah. And we put, really, really did pull it up to them. We we gave away an awful clangor of a goal um, that, that just sunk us in the end. I can't remember the final score, but... After that game, Dublin absolutely hammered everybody on the way to an, to an All-Ireland that year. And it's the usual, 
usual loud story. It's a, it's a what if, you know, if, if, if you had to get over that big game or that big team, God knows where it would have taken you. And unfortunately, that trend kind of, <laughs> kind of followed us down through the years. So that was the first, uh, first experience of, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And, um, yeah, God knows where it would have went. And as you said, Alan Brogan, probably captain of that team, did loads of boys that and went on to play for Dublin for years and won Leinster's and all Ireland's and everything. And we're still stuck wondering if, you know, what if. And, you know, even two years after that, we played Dublin again, under-21s. Uh, Brian Cullen would have been the, the captain that year. I was captain of yes. the team that year. And again, narrowly beat us. And I think they went on to maybe win Leinster or something as well. So it was just, you know, we were so close on so many occasions with, with that team. And then, unfortunately, that went down to senior level too. So <laughs> it is what it is. But uh, it started. It started. Uh, start those. Those results started early. You you made your senior debut for Loud against Wicklow in the championship in two thousand and three. Paddy, am I right in saying so? Do you remember much of that game? I remember he's taken off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I remember actually. It was we played. Um, we played Wicklow the year before in the minor, and um, the guy I was marking, I can't remember his name now, um, the two of us played actually the year before in minor, and we were both marking each other then in, in senior level. He made his debut that, that year as well, so um, don't think either of us, we probably cancelled each other out, and maybe nerves and everything else didn't didn't help, but uh, yeah, I remember we taken off not too, not too long uh, into the second half, and we played Dublin in the quarterfinal then, and I didn't start that game, so <laughs> the debut didn't go too well there, to be honest. <laughs> but obviously, over the next few years, you went on to be a mainstay for the loud the loud team. Um, would you? And obviously, you're one of their better performers. Would you found that like there's a lot of pressure on your shoulders as the years went on because there's a lot of talk about you as well. Um, I suppose so, but I, we were probably that deep probably that deeply involved in it that you didn't really have time to like the, the amount of football when I look back now the amount of football that was being played that I was putting the body through at that time was was just ridiculous you know I played three years on the 21 with Loud play, you know play, played minor with the club won a championship with the with the club at minor won on a 21 championship with the with the club we won 03 and 04 we won senior championships with the club and um, playing college football and playing, you know, just at different levels, different age groups, training with different teams, just a complete and utter overload of football at the time, you know, from maybe, you know, 02 to 07, 08 was just completely chronic. And when you're stuck in the middle of that, um, training, playing different teams, different coaches, different age groups, different grades, um, you don't really have time to to sit back and realise what you're being involved of. And, you know, you're asking about the but the pressure involved or whatever, you didn't think there was pressure at the time, but it was, there was a kind of maybe, I don't know, a silent pressure that you were trying to keep everybody happy and try to perform well for all these different teams and age groups and coaches and everything else. And I think that's, you know, that's not healthy for, for anybody. And especially when you're trying to keep not just your head right and keep everybody happy, you're trying to keep the body right. And, you know, that was as much of a pressure as anything else. And, Unfortunately, there was a few bad injuries in the middle there, and it was a lot of that was just due to the volume of, of football and volume of training and, and everything else. And you know, in a way, it was nearly unlucky that you're involved in so many good teams and you were successful because the seasons just ran on and on and on. You know, we never really had a break. You know, the the Pats we were winning. You know, we won 03 and 04, so our our club seasons ran on, and then you were going to literally 
as soon as you finish with the with the club next week, you're straight into pre-season with with the county um, at under twenty one at senior level and ever and it was just it was just ridiculous when you when you look back at what you did to your body. Like, but look, we live with that. <laughs> to be honest, hindsight is obviously thing. But do you ever think back and then go, Jesus, I should have just taken maybe a year out for a while uh, and like live the college life, so to speak, maybe or. You know, did you feel, you look back now and go, geez, there was just too much, obviously you said there was too much going on. Yeah, and like, again, it's easy saying that with hindsight when, you know, it's not like you were forced into doing it either. You did want to do it, you know, you you were involved in different teams and you loved it and you were, you know, you were winning trophies and maybe winning championships and things like that. So you weren't going to just turn your back to it. But yeah, absolutely, in, in, in hindsight, I remember we finished in, finished my Masters in DCU and a couple of the guys that um, we've been friends with um, went to the States for you know, maybe three or four months, rented a van and just went travelling and very close to going and it was the football ultimately that that made me not go and made me stay and probably at the time it would have been a, a perfect perfect time to do it, to you know even just rest the mind and rest the body and come back a little bit fresher um, and obviously enjoy yourself and you know as you said, live the live a bit of a mad life that you probably weren't doing at that point. Um, but again, that's that's hindsight. It's easy saying that now. Um, you know, ultimately, you made the own decision. Nobody forced you to do it. You, you had to make your own decision. And whether it was right or wrong, <laughs> you have to live with it. Did you, did you ever get an offer from the States from a, a club side to come over and play for the summer? Oh, there was, there was loads down through the years, yeah. And there was, I think, in 06. Um, flights and all were booked to go in 06. And... Um, just there was a yeah. I suppose when you talk about pressure, yeah, there was a bit of pressure put on from our own club because we were we were going for a championship at home and ended up not going and staying and got beaten in the cha- the final of the championship then that year. Oh, and no. there was a there was a few other years there was there was opportunities to to go and there was you know good good incentives and good packages put in front to actually go for the summer and that sort of thing. And fortunately, didn't go at those times, but. Um, Ultimately, did end up going then in, in 2016 and then back in 2018, played, played in Boston, which was brilliant. And probably do regret not going when I was a little bit younger to do to do that, to be honest. But, but again, that's that's hindsight. Still got the opportunity to do it, so can't can't complain too much. Yeah, exactly. And tell us a little bit more about DCU. Um, were you in playing Sigerson with them? Was there, who, was the, who was the quality around at the time where you were mixing in with? So it was absolutely scandalous at the time, to be honest. Um, I came in the, just the year after they they won. Um, they won the Sigerson. I came in the year after that, but just the the money, the setup, the professionalism, the coaching, everything was just. And I was like literally walking into a professional professional environment. Um, like in in my where I lived, it was myself, Conor Mortimer, Bernard Brogan, um. Shawnee Johnson from Cavan, um, Ross McConnell from Dublin. That was the five of us lived in my house the first year. The second year then was Owen Lennon from Monaghan, um, Brendan Egan from Sligo. It was there. like it was just phenomenal, and just this this the standard of the the train and the standard of the coaching, um, just the facilities that were there. We went to Portugal on a training camp with the college. Like it was just absolutely Puma were sponsoring us, Volvo were sponsoring us. It was just I don't know where the money was coming out of, but it was just brilliant. Declan Brennan from Monaghan was the was the coach and he just seemed to be able to pull better and better facilities, more and more money, more better coaching. You know, everything was just the absolute peak of it. And then 
just living living with those guys, playing against a lot of those players that were on the, on those teams. You know, it was young Michael Murphy coming in as playing freshers that when, when I was there, when I was finishing up, like it was just the, the players that were around, you couldn't believe how good some of the players were. And obviously playing, training with them, living with them, going to class with them, all of that sort of thing. You got to see what the way these guys were living and to be, to be honest, you got to see that a lot of these guys were human as well. You know, you had these players built up in your own head, how good they were and all the rest. And I was going back to, you know, even back to loud trainers, realising there was, you know, a lot of the loud players or even club players were as good as some of the lads that I was seeing day by day in, in DCU. And I think that really opened my eyes and gave me confidence that, you know, as a loud player, you know, you were still as good or better than a lot of other players from around the around the country um, and unfortunately you know not everybody gets that opportunity and is you know exposed to that level of talent and coaching and facilities and all of that sort of thing but it definitely brought me on an awful awful lot um, you know around that two-year period just um, just the, the talent you, you couldn't you couldn't have picked a team with the players that were there it was just an all-star cast of county footballers everywhere you looked like it was phenomenal yeah, well, we didn't win a cigarette, yeah. though, mind you. <laughs> no, they did some unbelievable teams. I remember, I do remember those Volvo cars floating around with the DCU on the oh, side of them. All right, ridiculous. Um, like when you look back, you are you 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 wouldn't believe it nearly if you told somebody now. Like I saw it with my own eyes, so I do believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had I had won the Volvo cars for a while myself, so I can't I can't complain. That's right. And come here. So you were saying there, like you. When you saw these lads from other counties, these superstars from other counties up front and, and up close and personal, and you realised that the loud lads were just as good as them, what was the difference then? Was it was it mentality, mindset, or was it just that there wasn't enough of them in loud? Let's say. Well, I'd say definitely not enough of them was was a thing. Like we're just we just don't have the same pick that you know obviously a Dublin, a Kerry, Cork, Donegal, Galway. We just don't have the numbers playing at the at the the same level, and um, I think just. A lot of it was mindset, really, to be honest. Like, it wasn't, again, going back to the, the talent thing, every player that's playing county football has has a, has a certain level of talent. It's the work rate, the, the stuff to do on their own, the training. You know, you would see some of those lads in practice and free-taking for hours and hours, you know, in the gym, guys just living in the gym, just at a different, at, at a more intense level than probably I would have been used to the, the training and the personal preparation and all of that sort of thing I wouldn't have seen before. Um, where I was coming from um, and it was those sort of things that I was trying to probably maybe bring back to a loud setup and maybe trying to explain to even some of the lads you know that wouldn't have been at college or wouldn't have played at that level just that you know we are, we are as good as any of these lads it's just little little bits and pieces that we're not adding adding to it um, but I think probably the history mentality you know it's very easy for you know a young fella at 18, 19, 20 whatever years of age you know, he's growing up in Dublin and playing Dublin County football to literally throw his whole life at playing for Dublin because he knows there's a there's a very, very good chance you're going to win in All-Ireland to try and convince, you know, an 18, 19, 20-year-old from, from Loud to basically put his whole life on pause and put every hour he has into Loud football is, you know, it's a lot more difficult proposition because you haven't won anything, you, you don't have the success, you don't have the history, you're playing in a kip like Drada every week compared to playing in Crow Park. You know, it's it's just very difficult, um, you know, to to get that across the line um, when you don't have that history of, of winning and that sort of thing. And fortunately, we just didn't have that. And 
that probably paid the back of the mind then as well when you did come up against the bigger teams that you know maybe players thought they weren't as good um, because they haven't hadn't haven't had success in, in, in the past whereas the Dublin players the Mayo players the Kerry players have all won something at underage at different different periods so they have the confidence and then they know there's a potential of winning something and they're, they're, it's a lot easier for them to put their whole lives into into the sport when you say that there's a former international rules teammate of yours Leighton Lane said exactly the same he said just more options as well. But actually, Mick said it is there's more options as well for people or kids those age, that age to do other things. Yeah, um, like if when you when you say Leighton Glenn, like he one of the best players I've ever played with or ever seen playing, like absolutely phenomenal. And you know, if he was if he was playing with Dublin, he'd have all irons, he'd have all stars, things like that. It's just that very similar to to Loud, you're just not in the shop window, you're not surrounded by as good a as good a players. Um, you know, and then you know you're you know you're not gonna have that level of success. You're not gonna be playing on TV, all of that sort of thing. So, you know, very difficult for a player like that to, to carry the whole the whole thing. But it it just shows that the talent is there. It's just the environment and surroundings that you're that you're in. You know, if you're coming from Dublin, I even know I've nieces and nephews in, in Dublin and you can see, you know, the the level of even coaching that they have underage, the number of coaches, you know, paid coaches that are in clubs, never mind around the county in in um, in Dublin compared to Loud. Like, you, you, unfortunately, you just can't you can't compete at the same level, and that's only the GEA. They're getting the best of coaching at rugby, at soccer, other sports as well, which obviously does help when you know getting to see and the tactically getting to see how other teams train, prepare, all of that sort of thing. They're, they're just exposed to a lot more than you would be in where, where we are, unfortunately. And I'm sure the same was with Leighton and in Wicklow as well. So we were talking about the, the DCU. What was that? Uh, those training sessions like for the 2010 uh, International Rules Series? Yeah, I was a bit. To be honest, it was it was it was kind of a little bit broken up, um, and it was it was jaden because I know from just my own personal experience, we were we were going fairly strong for a club championship at the time. We had we had lost a semi final the year before, shouldn't have lost it and threw it away in the last couple of minutes. So we put a big push in twenty ten as a club to to win a championship, and um, then obviously now got to Leinster final that year. So that was you know fairly intense as well and then at the time the, the international rules uh, training was coming around I think there was seven or eight weeks of training before that actually kicked off which coincided with quarter final semi-final stage of the club championship and I remember we played a semi-final and um, semi-final against Maddox Rangers on a Saturday evening and we had played we had trained a double training session on the Friday the day before with the international rules team and trying to play a club championship semi-final the day after <laughs> was insane Good looking back at it but from my point of view I was just you know I'd never been up there with the international rules before and just training with those players and seeing them up close and playing a different sport and you know the potential of putting on an Ireland jersey I was I was killing myself trying to uh, trying to make that team but it was got the complete detriment then of you know being able to put your performance in then when it came to the club so it was it was a bit bittersweet in that way that it was, um, you know, it was just completely burnt out really at that stage. It was at the end of a long season and um, you were basically trying to train seven or eight times a week coming into club championship was was yeah, a bit silly to be honest with you in hindsight. Obviously 2010, uh, Paddy was 
a great year in a lot of ways for Loud uh, intercounty wise. Um, obviously, what was the build up like to the Leinster final for Loud? I mean, that was almost the first time in how long I don't know it was that they were in the Leinster final. Yeah, it was 50, 50 years, yeah, since Loud got to a Leinster final. So it was 1960, Loud got to a Leinster final, and then 2010. Um, so it was nothing like we'd never seen anything anything like it, you know. Um, just that when do you see flags in around Drogheda or the dock or anything like that? You might see the odd business coming up the championship would have a, have a red and white flag out. But coming up to that time, the whole the streets were covered in, in, in flags. You know, every club had, you know, good wish messages for all the players you know it's just stuff we'd never we'd never seen or experienced before and it was just the excitement and just even everybody you spoke to around the county everyone was just in the absolute best of form because they knew knew what was coming well not they didn't know what was coming but they, you know, they, were, they, were, they, they were coming into you know a Leinster final something they'd never experienced before and just the crowds that were going to the games and stuff it was just phenomenal the whole that whole summer was, uh, was brilliant and I don't know why, but every time you look back, you think of, you know, even the good weather we had, all the championship games we had were in perfect conditions. You know, Kildare, Longford, Westmead, all played in absolute pitch-perfect conditions. And you just even remember going on buses to the games and you see the crowds around Crow Park and flags and, you know, just a build-up and talk about it. It was, it was phenomenal. It was brilliant looking back. But, um, you know, unfortunately, it only happened once. Um, but, you know, it was Great experience and all the rest. Unfortunately, didn't finish on the note you kind of wanted. Yeah, and you yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> I, I have to ask, but like, can you remember obviously the dressing room after that game? It must have been this horrible, horrible atmosphere. Like, yeah, it was just like a like a funeral, I suppose. And then um, I remember more or less straight into the dressing room after the game, after the whole. Hullabaloo with all the fans and the pitch and everything else, and um, I think most of the squad and most of the, the team were in the dressing room whenever the trophy was actually being presented. And remember, I walked back out. I think it was a few of us actually walked out to watch the presentation. There were probably only three or four loud people, maybe you know, standing in the tunnel in around that area um, under the, the Hogan stand. The rest of the team was just literally sitting in the dressing room, not a word being said, and you could hear a hear a penny drop. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just complete and utter devastation. Like, and it was only then, you know, after a period of time, you know, the TVs in in Crow Park, and you, you know, you could, you could, people were getting up then the the replays and you know the talking to some game and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, it was only then people started realizing because a lot of players at the time didn't see what had actually happened or didn't understand. What, and a lot of fans were the same, didn't know, know exactly what happened or didn't see the detail of it. So it was only when. Everything started filtering through. People were being sent videos, and I think smartphones were only coming around that time. So it was it was actually difficult enough to actually find the clip or to, to to see it. So it was only after a while that things started filtering through, and people realised what had actually kind of happened. That that's when the anger started kicking. In. But you you had a front row seat. You made you made the first block like on the line, and like the, <laughs> I remember watching real time going, "How did you get to that? Like, how did you not?" I don't know. I suppose I, after that happens, who do you hit first? Do you hit Sheridan? Do you hit the ref? Do you hit the? Do you hit the someone like? I don't know. Uh, how I, I got it. actually. Um, if you see, uh, I've never actually said this to Joe. I don't know. He, he I don't think he's ever said it to me since either. And I've spoken to him a good few times since. But if you see in the interview, he's a bit of a mark above his his eye. He's a bit of a cut above his eye. But if you actually watch the um, 
if, if you watch the slow motion of him when he actually throws the ball in, I'm lying on the ground beside him and I've seen him with the ball in his hands. So I go to try and actually kick the ball out of his hands. When I swung my leg, I actually caught him with the top of the head and I actually split him open with a kick. That <laughs> kicked it I could completely by accident. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, if it was after the game, I could uh, I could fully say it was uh, it was premeditated. But um, no, it was complete by accident, and he ended up throwing the ball into the net. So I was just laying beside him while he while he did it. So uh, yeah, front row seats would be fair to say, all right, yeah. But um, yeah, just it's one of those things. Look, if it happened, if it had have happened the other way around, um, would we be looking for? Would we be offering a replay or handing medals back? We definitely wouldn't have, like no doubt about it. So I don't blame the league players at all. Like it's not. You know, they were out to win a game just the way it happened. I, I don't, I have absolutely no problem with those guys. Um, look, there's, there's plenty of fingers to be pointed, but I wouldn't be pointing them at, at any of the mid players, to be honest. What about uh, Peter Fitzpatrick? I mean, he, he had just playing some scintillating football those years he was there. He, he was going really, really well. Yeah, we just the whole, like the the Kildare game, that quarterfinal, played phenomenally well. Like Kildare, where you know, they ultimately got as you said earlier, uh, Ross, they got to a, a, an All Ireland semi final that year and were competing and you know, com- you know, competing well in the league, all of that sort of thing. They were really a top team at the time, and we had um, we probably weren't actually playing all that well throughout the league campaign. We were poor. We got hammered by Antrim in the league that year, and you know, we were certainly not thinking of Leinster final at that stage, and played Longford. Didn't play overly well against Longford, and then Peter brought in um, Peter Fitzpatrick brought in Peter McDonald um, from Armagh, who would have known same club as Kieran McGinn. He would have known him very well, and he'd be very good tactically and that sort of thing. He came in to help out with training around that time as well, and just he knew he had a lot of insight into maybe how McGinn would set up Kildare and that sort of thing. Just one of those games. The way we prepared for that Kildare game. Everything that we tried in training came off. Everything that we prepared for came off. Like we, we just couldn't have, couldn't have prepared any well. And it's just when you're playing in one of those games and you, you can see players doing things that they're, you know, they're being asked to do before a game or they're prepared to do and uh, in training and then to go out and actually do it ten times better than you know it was, it was it was expected or drawn up for them. And it just gives you such a lift, like, geez, it'd be the, the serious performance that day. The same against Westmead, played pretty well in the semi-final. And, um, you know, the football was just, it nearly wasn't even a tactical side of thing. I think one of Peter's things was, was just letting players go out and play and express themselves and not being worried about mistakes and that sort of thing. And that's, a, you know, players don't want to be playing restricted. They want to play fairly free in that. And that's what we were doing that whole summer. And a lot of it wasn't tactical. It was just going out and playing. Um, and players just enjoyed that. And, you know, we um, we did have a lot of preparation put in behind the scenes. But a lot of it was just, just taking, the, taking the load off the players and pressure off the players. Yeah. And obviously, Paddy, you retired in 2014. Um, I read an article saying that you kind of regret maybe retiring at 29 because it's quite young. Was it just the injuries and stuff that caught up with you? Um, okay, okay, it was. I still think it was the right decision at the time. I re- regret that you know at 29 that you were nearly not forced into. That's not the case at all. But um, we were after I think getting rele- back, relegated back down to Division Three in the league that year. Um, championship was. Shit show to be honest. We got hammered by Tyrone in in in, in my last game playing. Um, body was just hanging on by a thread, and I was um, I was working with Bank of Ireland at the time, and 
working in Dublin and working in Cork and just I, just between the, the, the job, what was required in it at the time, the way the body was, just where we were at after going down to Division 3 and just the way that championship went, just couldn't just couldn't stick any more of it, to be honest with you. And it was just the stress and everything else physically and then just not having the same desire. I just couldn't, at that time, I just couldn't see any way where we were going to be able to, to compete. And just the hours involved, like, to play inter-county football is just, it's a full-time job on top of a full-time job. And um, it's, again, I said it earlier, it's easy, easy to put your whole life into, you know, playing for Dublin when you know you're going to win Leinster, you're going to win all Ireland, you're going to be playing in Crow Park, etc. But to put your whole life on hold, put your career on hold, put your relationships on hold, family on hold, everything, you know, to play Division Three football and not having a chance of winning Leinster, never mind anything bigger. Um, it's very hard to justify that, especially when the, the injuries are just hanging on there. So it's just a decision I, I made at the time. You know, I regret that that's where it went, but I don't regret probably making the decision because I think I still think it was the right decision at the time. Um, but it's probably a little bit sad that it finished up at 29 like I, I I could have played on longer if I really wanted it but just the desire on top of everything else probably wasn't wasn't there and wanted to give a good couple of years back to the to the club you know 12 months of the year with the club as opposed to just in and out um, you know with, with Loud or whatever and try and give Everton the club at that stage was probably more important to me to be honest and you mentioned your club is it seven seven county titles you have with them is it right just going yeah seven yeah now I remember saying that in the car when you were talking with Leighton Glynn earlier. We were we were heading to training, I think, one night in Boston, and one of the lads asked how many championships I had, and I thought I was great saying seven. And how many do you have, Leighton? I think he's like eighteen or something like that. So <laughs> it's 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 a great figure, but there's you know it, it pales in comparison to some players around the place. Well, you've had, you obviously you've had massive battles through the years, uh, Paddy, with a lot of midfielders. Who, who who do you put up as the hardest ones you've come up against? Um, I remember um, Fergal Doherty in Derry was just just a beast around the middle of the field. We played him in the league game up in um, up in, in Celtic Park and just couldn't couldn't you know compete in the air with him at all. Um, you know even on the ground, just his physicality, under breaking ball stuff like that. It was just you know you. you didn't see that with a lot of players really at at, at that time, and he you know he could move too for a, for a big strong man. He wasn't exactly probably the same height as myself, not too big for a for a midfielder, too too tall for a midfielder, but just seriously strong and he could use his body really really well. And I was myself and Ronan Carroll played midfield that day, and just neither of us could handle him. He was just phenomenal that day. And, um, I think I said this before, John Hedison, I think kicked five points from play off me in a in a championship game. Um, Westmead against Loud in uh, in Navan, we we had a last minute goal to win that, which we completely didn't deserve. So I'll always re- remember that one. I don't think anyone scored that much on me before in a in a uh, from play in a in a championship match. So I'll always remember that one for for negative reasons, to be honest. <laughs> Did you have any dirty tactics, Paddy, through the years for midfielder? Uh, I'd always say I wasn't a dirty player, and other <laughs> people have said that uh, that I was, but um, no. It, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have been dirty, if you like, but look, any player who's played for, you know, any length of time at senior football, particularly at county level, look, you, you're always going to do stuff maybe you might regret or you might have thrown an elbow or a knee or a <laughs> kick or a thump or something like that at different stages, you know, whether it whether it was the, the first one or in, in retaliation, every player has done something that 
wouldn't uh, wouldn't be within the rules if you like. I know I've done plenty of things, but I, I don't think I was caught all that many times. So. <laughs> that's the most that's important. The crucial, that's the crucial part. You weren't caught. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Paddy Keenan, thanks very much for coming on and enjoy the Australian weather while we sit in the cold here. <laughs> yeah, no problem, lads. I hope you're enjoying lockdown. <laughs> 